Welcome everyone to the BABCP 2022 podcast. I'm here with Andrew Beck and Saika Naz, who are the current president and the president-elect of the BABCP. So this is a great opportunity, I think, to talk about the BABCP. So Andrew, let's start at the top. What is the BABCP? So the BABCP is the organisation in the United Kingdom and uh, the Republic of Ireland that uh, accredits uh, cognitive and behavioural therapists and it's also a members organisation so about half of our members aren't accredited as therapists but they're members because of their interest and practice in a a broad range of therapies that come under the umbrella of uh, CBT. As somebody who's a practising CBT therapist or somebody who's interested in CBT, why should you get involved? There's definitely obviously the personal element and then there's a professional element in terms of ensuring that we're able to deliver safe and good quality care to people. So it's important to be part of an organisation that can help facilitate that and that lays out some guidance and governance around how we practise as clinicians. And I think on a personal level, what I found with the ABCP is um, a sense of belonging and a community. And I think that's really important in terms of ensuring that we stay in the profession so when I got involved with the BABCP, um, I wasn't having a particularly great time. I know we're going to go on and talk about how I met Andrew, but I think what it's given me is an opportunity to contribute back to psychology, but also be with people who are so knowledgeable around me. And I sometimes feel spoiled <laughs> by the level of expertise that I can draw upon, Um which I didn't, I didn't have any access to role models growing up. So for me, I just feel like it's all coming in abundance now. So I um, met Andrew on Twitter first. I, you know, we exchanged around it. He published his book, actually, and, um, and I commented and we got talking at that point. But I wasn't having a great time in the service I was in. Actually, I was thinking about leaving the men- uh, mental health profession altogether at that point and the NHS I was so disappointed and disillusioned and shattered basically and um, we're talking about in the last board meeting Andrew came to see me in my hometown of Rochdale and we talked it through and he said I want you to get involved with a BABCP and do your clinical psychology training and I just remember looking at him thinking like I'm a bit of a mess here <laughs> a bit of a mess here you're, and you're, you're thinking about ideas for me I was so shattered at that time but I think over the last sort of few years we've I've got involved with the BABCP and that really was more of a turning point for me. I think if it wasn't for the BABCP and Andrew, I wouldn't be in the profession. The power of Twitter. And you've worked together on this IAPT positive practice guide for black and minority ethnic groups. Is that the, is that the first thing that you did together as a piece of work? Yeah, it probably was. Um, I mean, we'd worked together um, in the Equality and Diversity Special Interest Group in the BABCP before that. and uh, And that's kind of how... Saika kind of came in to get more involved in the organisation, really, to join that uh, very active special interest group. And um, as a result of being involved in that, we talked between ourselves and to other members of the SIG and found that was a really good forum for refining our ideas about the way that services and therapists and supervisors could adapt the way that they worked to to, to make it more inclusive for, for minority service users. And, and then, and then there was a call that was put out by um, uh, NHS England uh, to, to to write this positive practice guide for IAP services, and and 
um Saker said go on we should do that and I said no it's you know there's better people than us and I, I gave you a list of half a dozen people who would be much better than us at doing it and um and that was it and then a few weeks later she kind of badgered me about it again and I think for about three months I just kept saying no no it's other people do things like that not people like us and and then and then eventually she wore me down and, and we put in a we put in a bid and, and we won it didn't we yeah um, I think it was quite funny when you were saying no and I remember thinking to myself um no I think we're the best people and I think I said to Andrew I think we're the best people to write this and that t- takes a level of confidence to actually think, actually, yes, we can do something on a national level. Um, and that was the first time I thought, I found myself having getting my confidence back in myself, I think, to think, why shouldn't we write something like this? And I think often it's the confidence and that imposter, I think, that stops people from um, contributing and, and doing projects. Um, but I think, and I, I, I did wonder because Andrew's white, <laughs> And we were writing about a topic for racial minorities, minoritized communities. I wonder if that element came into it. But for me, the fact that Andrew was holding this space when nobody was really interested, that's how I see it. I think it was important. So he's definitely the right person to be project lead. So as the president and the president-elect of this organisation, just give us a bit of a sales pitch for why people should come along to this conference that you're having in London in July. It's the 50th annual conference of the BABCP. So it's a big celebration. Um, and also, you know, if people aren't physically coming along and buying a ticket and all that kind of stuff, why people should be, you know, paying attention to it at all? What's it going to try and achieve? Who are you bringing together? What are the themes that you're going to explore? So I'll, I'll pick that up first, I think, and, and just reflect on my own first conference, which was um, in the 1990s, and and it, it really reflects on on something that Saika said that that really hit home for me. That I was trained as a psychologist and and trained and worked in a service that was fairly lukewarm about CBT, really. And and for me, I, when I first went to conference, um, I had just this great sense of belonging and um, uh, being around people who had a shared set of values and interests. And, uh, and and sort of spoke uh, the same language as I did uh, as, as therapists. And I just found that incredibly stimulating and exciting uh, to be to be part of this community of therapists. And um, I said, I didn't know anybody, um, uh, but but uh, it was really easy to just be there to, to get talking to people and to, to share ideas and dilemmas about about our work in mental health. And 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 I think, you know, it's 25 years on since then now and and i think that sense of community is still there the conference is bigger and our membership is bigger but but actually it's a place to come and 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 be around people who we don't necessarily agree about everything and 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 there's as many kind of disagreements within the broad field of cbt as as there are between different kind of therapeutic schools but but it's it's people have a shared set of, of, of values and interests really so for me, that's a really key bit about about um, conference. It's it's to be part of that community, and and of course you, you don't need to be physically there to to uh, benefit from that. So um, we we live stream uh, most of the conference. So we we um, ran the last conference as a hybrid um, with the uh, European Association last year. Went really well, although it was a massive bit of work to to, to kind of make it work as a hybrid. And this year we we really extending that hybrid nature so that people can 
uh, engage through um, through the live streams. And also, yeah, thanks to, to, to Mental Health, we're going to up our um, social media presence around the conference as well, which will make it uh, accessible in lots of other ways too. So, so I think it, it is about coming in, joining the debate, shaping um, shaping the profession, shaping the, the, the therapy um, that, that the ABCP represents and, and, and kind of being part of something. And that for me is the absolute key part of, of conference. I don't know, Seiko, if that reflects your own experiences of attending and what, what that's been like for you. Yeah, very similar. So I plan it into my calendar as soon as the conf- one conference finishes. I, al- I already plan for the next one. I block it off. And if for anyone listening, just make it as part of your annual. It's a bit of a break, isn't it? It's networking, knowledge. Um, you're shattered at the end of it, so you have to factor. <laughs> um, but it's it's good. I, I come back energised and reinvigorated and recharged and thinking, okay, I'm ready for the next year working in mental health because it can be quite difficult um what you know the kind of stories we hear but also I'm really keen um for people who might think that they're on their own we've talked about this on board you know creating a space for people who might feel like they don't know anybody and might be on their own we will look after you so hopefully there'll be something in place for those people who might want to come on their own and, and please do come yeah, that's a nice point, Saker. And I'm just thinking back a couple of years back at, at Bath Conference, and that was the first time we'd really um, we'd really made a big push at getting PWPs and and low intensity practitioners along, and you know setting up something really good for them as attendees, including making sure it was low cost attendance. And and we had a team that included one of our past presidents, um, Saika, a couple of other people were just there at, at, at a particular spot to welcome these new attendees and make sure they were well oriented to the conference and knew where to go and what to expect. And I think it's that kind of welcome um, that that really goes a long way, isn't it? And, and we certainly kind of got plans to, to do that again this time. So for people that haven't been to a conference before, because I guess a lot of people coming along from, you know, with, from those sorts of groups may not have been to an academic conference. It might be quite an overwhelming sort of sense of, oh, my God, I'm going to be in the room with all hundreds of people and all these academics talking about all this clever stuff. What do you talk about? What are the themes that you're going to explore? It's like going to Glastonbury. OK, it's massive. It's overwhelming. It's it's busy. There's a lot of hubbub. There's there's kind of great social events in the night and lots of cultural things to do in the day and genuinely interesting things to do in the day and, and like Glastonbury there are headline acts okay that you'll go and you want to see well you know I always wanted to see um, uh, Adam Radomski talking about OCD well this is your chance right these are this is your kind of your rolling stones kind of figures that you're going to get to see but actually like Glastonbury it's the wandering around and the random conversations you have with people and also the the, the, the kind of happening into some small rooms or small tents it will be at Glastonbury and seeing some of the up and coming acts um, that will also really sort of stick with you and inspire you. So my, my sense is it's, it's, it's just like going to a big music festival, but, but, but with people talking about uh, CBT rather than uh, playing music, that that's, that's my kind of pitch for why it's a really good exhausting three or four days. And so, yeah, maybe we're going to have to have a competition at the conference to decide which Glastonbury act, David Clark or Shirley Reynolds or Kathy Cresswell or Paul Sarkovskis are. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty certain in advance that Paul will dabs Pink Floyd. 
I don't think you get to choose. I think other people have to do it for you. <laughs> so, yeah, Saika, what do you want to say about that, about the kind of the feel of the event and, and helping to support people so they feel comfortable to really be themselves and to share? I mean, one of the areas that I'm particularly interested in is the representation of those who attend conference. Um, I always say I, I literally run around conference like it's my own home. And, I, and that is that is the honest truth. <laughs> and um, and this is why I say to uh, especially people who might be struggling in services because of the mi- racial microaggressions, there's a lot of racism at the moment. Well, that's starting to come out. And um, and I always encourage them to attend conference, be part of something because it can't fix all the problems. But if you're not there, then you're not represented in a way. So I want them to experience what I have. So in Bath, when I looked around, there weren't that many people of colour. And I remember pointing out to Rod Holland, who's a legend, and helps uh, plan these conferences and um, saying, where are they actually? There's more than there's five five or six of us. So for me, I'm particularly interested in groups who are un- underrepresented, uh, part of the Equality Act, to be part of conference. We do look at gender representation on speakers. Um, disabilities appreciate not all uh, disabilities are visible, but we do have that inclusion hat on when we're planning events and conferences. And I guess, you know, who's on the stage, who's on the programme reflects the delegates that come along to the event, doesn't it? So what are you doing to make sure that diversity and inclusion runs right through the event? Yeah, that's a really good question. There is a there is a diversity and inclusion strand um, of, of the programming to ensure that that's absolutely represented. But also we're really lucky in that we've got a, a conference advisory group who pull together the programme um, who, who just hold this in mind, you know, it's a diverse group. It's a group that that, that, that is genuinely interested in ensuring we have uh, diversity. And one of the things we did a couple of years ago was we we did an audit of, uh, of, of uh, gender balance around keynotes and, and other kind of key presentations with it, with it at conference. And, and actually we found we had a really good gender balance, um, much better than you might typically see at a lot of other conferences. And I think that's partly because we had a, we have a conference advisory group that has good gender balance. And I think if your organizing committees are diverse, then um, then the, the, the events are gonna be diverse. So I think we kind of bake that in really. Um, and, and, and it's almost, it, it's less effort because you've already got a diverse group of people making decisions. And that really helps to kind of push things in the right direction. I think I think last year was quite noticeable. We had quite a few members from our equality and culture group presenting symposiums. We had Peter Fury, Monica Williams, and their keynotes. Um, so it was very sort of visible in terms of uh, there's a shift happening here, and and I think that was linking with um, our EDI um, audit that was completed. And this is before Black Lives Matters happened and before COVID. So it was already. Um, on our minds and, and the back office it's quite tuned in to these issues as well which helps because as more board members we just have oversight but they actually are in charge of running uh, the organization on a day-to-day basis so it's something definitely that's on their mind and that they're being supported to do so um the presidency is going to move from andrew to saika in july presumably there'll be some kind of um huge great big golden mayoral chain that you're going to take off Andrew and pop around Saika's neck or how's this going to work? 
Yeah, it's funny. Um, I mean, at some point I get to say a few words as president and hand over. So that'll be great to, to, to have the honour of, of doing that. Um, there's no robes of office, I'm afraid, because we're a fairly informal, low-key organisation. You know, that's that's kind of that's our kind of style. And it's, it's funny you should say that because we had a we had our meeting at the uh, Royal College of General Practice uh, last week, the Royal College of GPs in uh, central London. So our board meeting. And when you go in there, they've got oil paintings of all the past presidents. And I was, I was, I was saying, to my board, do we get, do we get oil painting? No, of course we don't, because we're, we're a kind of, we're a low-key members-led organisation, um, and, 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 and that's kind of how the handover is going to go as well. I'm afraid, a few words and, and a welcome, and then, and then you're away. So it won't be an oil painting. It'll be a photo and a tweet if you're lucky. <laughs> if you're lucky, yeah. It's the modern way. Are you happy with that, Saika? Yeah, def- definitely be a tweet because I like Twitter. Um, but even yeah, even with Paul actually, when he kind of trans- handed over to you, Andrew, I mean, I think that would that was in the middle of the pandemic, wasn't it? <laughs> so we never really got to say bye to him properly and welcome to you. Might be an opportunity there in London. <laughs> right. Well, I'll definitely be taking some photos and doing some interviews and sending some tweets. And, and speaking of that. As you said before, Andrew, we're going to do a lot more of this kind of live online public engagement work. We've got a team of people that we're sending out into all the different sessions at the conference to live tweet, to podcast, to do all these sorts of things. Why is that kind of public engagement an important component of what you're doing? Saika, do you want to answer that one first? I think for me, it's so important. I love public engagement. And it's all about building relationships. And I'm quite big on building relationships. And I think... Um, a lot of what I bring into my work comes from my community um, outreach work, my interfaith work. And I think it's just really important to bridge a gap between the public that we're here to serve and us as professionals and, and come together and think about how we can work a bit more collaboratively because ultimately our role is to serve their needs in a way. So I think that's just really important and I hope we can do more of that with the BABCP because we do try and keep the public in mind. And we do have a section on our website around uh, public engagement. So I really like to see more of that happening. And it's again, comes back to safe practice, you know, so they know what to expect when they are seeking care. I think that's really important. How are you going to make sure that the way that we talk about stuff at the event isn't too exclusive? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, one of the things I think is a real strength of uh, CBT as an approach is that it can be explained in in everyday language really easily. So so it's it's not a it's not a therapeutic uh, approach that relies on a lot of technical language. Um, I think I think your kind of day to day way of describing yourself and the world around you is is absolutely adequate for talking about. Um, what CBT is and how it works. And, and I think that's even true. You know, I worked with kids for 20 years as a cognitive behavior therapist. And, and I think it's it's as true for working with a, um, a seven or eight year old as it is for a university educated adult. You know, you can still explain it in 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 lay terms in a way that's really easy to grasp. And so so I suppose we have that advantage of starting from from being a, a therapeutic approach that is that is really every day in the way that it describes the world. What are you personally looking forward to most about going to London and having this um, this kind of connection? 
Yeah, so there's there's someone who runs a workshop most years. Now, I'm not going to mention them by name uh, because cause I don't want their workshop to be mobbed out. Um, but they every year, as part of conference, we have the academic presentations, we have keynotes, we have uh, symposia, but we also have some skills workshops that are usually a couple of hours long, very practice-based. So there's someone who, who does skills workshop for us most years on different topics who, who always leaves me immensely moved emotionally and, and and really genuinely engaged with the work and, and I find their workshops to just just renew my enthusiasm and engagement as a therapist so um, absolutely their workshops going to be top of my list something that's experiential something that's hands-on really really practical and that's that's the stuff I get the most out of at conference it's been in a room with someone who has absolute kind of expertise in an area who who will really engage you with those ideas and and and, and give you a, a genuine emotional response to some of the struggles um and, and that they're thinking about with you so that's that that's definitely going to be one of my uh, highlights i think that that just something practical and and really um emotionally engaging yeah how about you Seiko? what's your um what are the bits that you're most looking forward to Oh, the socials. Ah. <laughs> um, alongside, obviously, the, the academic, because there's such a wonderful opportunity to let your hair down <laughs> a bit and dress up. And and I've already got my outfit. I'm not going to lie. I'm hoping I still fit into it. Um, yeah, I've decided on my outfit. So I think <laughs> it's just, and Bedlam are fantastic. Do you know, um, our band back play at our events. Um, and I'm also, yeah, there's, there's bits of the social that I'm not um, aware of, so I'm excited. I'm just kind of looking forward to seeing what's on the horizon with the socials. Definitely. Yeah, um, that's a good point, Seika. We have a house band, don't we, that's made up of mm-hmm. several really um, key figures in the field of um, uh, UK mental health who also happen to just be an absolutely rocking kind of kind of rock and soul band, really. Um, who are great and and they play pretty much every conference and it's it's always a just a great laugh isn't it getting together and 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 seeing people who you're used to delivering keynotes um, actually rocking out and 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 doing a, a absolutely brilliant kind of soul set so yeah that'll be great. If people are listening to this and thinking I'm being annoying about whether they should buy a ticket and come along, what's the yeah, what's the real sales pitch? Psycho, do you want to go first? Definitely, definitely come to the conference and feel that you've you've got a home with BABCP. Yeah, I think I'd, I would absolutely agree with that idea of come and join the community, be part of that community. But also I think um, it's a great place, whatever kind of modality of cognitive or behaviour therapies you, you, you're you mostly uh, involved with to expand your horizons as well because there'll be people presenting on topics that, that you'd not thought about or uh, that you'd not really seen as within uh, the, the realm that you might work within and, and you'll, you can pitch up and, and absolutely have your horizons broadened as a therapist and that's a lovely, lovely experience to have I think. So yeah, come and be part of our community and, and, and have that opportunity to think. Thank you.